Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power, and here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. Greetings and a warm welcome to today's program. We're delighted that you've joined us again, and we hope that you've enjoyed the journey so far as we work through the book, 50 Days Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Rain and Christ's Return by Pastor Dennis Smith. Now, today's lesson, we're actually going to look at day 32, so we'll unpack that topic a little bit further. But just before we do, and Colin starts leading the program, we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to guide and to lead and bless us as we study together today. Father in heaven, it's always a privilege to have this special time with you where we can come as people who want to learn and sit at your feet. We want to be apprentices, Father, that is instructed by you through the Holy Spirit and through your word. And as such, we just submit ourselves to you again afresh, even now, and invite the presence of your Holy Spirit, Father, to be baptized with your Holy Spirit, to be led and instructed into all truth that Jesus can be revealed through your Spirit and that we can have Christ within our hope of glory. Bless us now, Father, and give us a fresh understanding and a deeper appreciation and love for all that Jesus has done for us and what he means to each one of us is our prayer in his name. Amen. So, Colin, we have got a, a very interesting topic here today, and I think it's one that's very important, quite often misunderstood as well. We're going to look at God's commandments and also abiding in Christ. So, uh, to look at unpacking that from day 32, it is righteousness by faith and keeping God's commandments. That's right. And, um, you know, when one experiences righteous by faith, by abiding in Christ, we're experiencing righteous by faith by abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us. Mm. That's how we experience righteous by faith. And obedience to God's commandments and abiding in Christ go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Okay. I mean, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 10, John 15, verse 10. It says, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, Jesus kept his Father's commandments. Hmm. And we're talking about the Ten Commandments here. And he abided in his love. And as, as uh, we keep Christ's commandments, you also abide in his love and we abide in his Father's love as we keep the Ten Commandments as mm. well. So when we abide in Christ and he abides in us, the Ten Commandments will become an integral part of our life. Jesus and the law are inseparable. In fact, it was Jesus before his incarnation who gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Wow. You know, the God who gave the commandments revealed himself as what to Moses? As Moses says, what's your name? And he says, I am. That's right. Yeah, I am was the one to send him. And uh, we read that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And God said to Moses, so God, there's Elohim, said yes. to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So he, one of his names was I am. And Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus claimed to be the I am of the Old Testament. Isn't that incredible? Yes, before Abraham was, I am. Yeah, in John chapter 8, verse 58. John chapter 8, verse 58. Here's where Jesus says to, to the Jews, he says, I am. Before Abraham, I am. And comparing 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 4, and Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 12 to 14, it is very clear that it was Jesus who came down in the cloud on Mount Sinai and met with Moses. And we're going to unpack that a little bit, but let's go to Exodus, sorry, John chapter 8, verse 58. John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, what did they want to do after he made that claim? Well, I think they clearly understood what Jesus had said there. It says, they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. Yeah, they wanted to stone him because as far as they concerned, he committed blasphemy. Mm. Claiming to be God, all right, is blasphemy. Yeah, that's right. And so, but Jesus wasn't committing blasphemy because he was. He was God manifest in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. God yeah. was manifest in the so flesh. He had a right to say that. Mm. And let's compare 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So who was following around in that cloud and the the fire and the cloud and that rock? Jesus Christ. It was Jesus himself. Mm, Pre-incarnate, yes. He was the I am, was in the burning bush. Mm. That was Jesus himself. And we can compare Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 12 to 14. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. So here we compare those texts. It was Jesus himself who came down mm. and gave the law, gave the Sabbath, gave the, the laws of Moses. It was Jesus who came and gave that law. And wow. so it, it was clear that he came down in Mount Sinai and met with Moses. That was Jesus himself. We also see the Holy Spirit was also very much involved when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Mm. We also know the Holy Spirit was there at creation. Remember, the Spirit hovered over the the waters, the waters, the deep. Yeah. yeah, the spirit was involved in creation as well, and so when we compare Jesus' statements where he equated the finger of God with the spirit of God, and we go to Matthew chapter twelve verse twenty-eight. Okay, Matthew twelve twenty-eight says, "But if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you." So how did he cast demons out by the spirit of God? Spirit of God. Now when we go to Luke chapter eleven verse twenty. It's actually a parallel text that says, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So he's got the finger of God and the spirit of God. And who wrote the Ten Commandments on the stone? God wrote them with the finger, finger of the, God. It was with the finger of God, that's right. Hence the same Holy Spirit who wrote the Ten Commandments on table stone will today write God's law on the hearts of God's spirit-filled children. Wow, that, that is a remarkable revelation, Colin. And we can read that in Second Corinthians chapter three, verse three. I remember when I was speaking to a, uh, some pastors in the Philippines uh, from we were various different denominations, and we were coming together to pray together, to study God's word together, mm. to find out the truth. Yes, because we all want to find out the truth and follow it Absolutely. as it is in God's word. Yeah. 
And we read that Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. And let's read that. And I want to tell you a little story what happened after we read this verse. Okay, so Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So again, the Spirit of God. Yes, writing it. Writing it on what? Tablets, tablets. of stone. Yes. And what did he write on the tablets of stone? The Ten Commandments. Now he's saying, but he wants to write those same Ten Commandments on where? On our hearts, the tablets of the flesh. On our hearts. So here we have the Spirit of God wanting to write the Ten Commandments on our hearts, the same one he, one he wrote on the stone. The same the, person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, yeah. is the one, that, the one who wrote it. Yeah, that, And that's Jesus came clear. down and spoke it. Yes. He came and spoke it to Moses. He actually spoke the Ten Commandments out. Mm. And then the finger of God wrote on the Ten Commandments. So then we look at um, this God's new covenant promise to these believers in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. And the new covenant is basically, and let's just unpack a little bit the old covenant. In the okay. old covenant, the basis of the covenant was what? The Ten Commandments. It was the law of God. That's right. And God said, if you know, if you do all these things that I say, I will be your God. And they said, yep, we will do everything you say. Well, could they do it? No. No. But Within God, 40 days, they'd broken that covenant. In 40 days. Mm. But the covenant was based on God's law. Yes. And the fault, when we read later on, the fault was not with the law of God or God. The fault was with the people, That's not the right. law. Yes. And so here we have in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, and let's just read that out. Under the new covenant made possible because of Jesus' death on the mm. cross. Well, the verse 10 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So the new covenant, where does God Want to, where does God want to write his law on? In the hearts, and he wants to put it in our minds. And who wants to write them? Well, when, as we've just discovered before, it's through the Holy Spirit. But God's the one who wants to write it on there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and Hebrews chapter 10, he repeats this. That's in right. In Hebrews chapter 10, where it says the Holy Spirit. It actually specifies the Holy Spirit that wants to write God's laws on our mind and our hearts. Hebrews mm. chapter 10. So we can see it's the Holy Spirit that wants to write the Ten Commandments on our mind and heart. Now, when we think about Jesus, did Jesus magnify the law? Yes, he did. He, he came to make it honorable and magnify the law. He did. That's right. And we can read this. There's a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, which the book of Isaiah is a messianic uh, prophetic book. Uh, incredible. There's so many prophecies about the Messiah, and, and Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies. In what? actual fact, there's hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. Mm. Did you know that mathematicians got together and they they decided to work out what was the probability of Jesus fulfilling eight prophecies mm. in the Bible? So they just picked out eight yes. and worked out the probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight, eight. prophecies, where wow. he was going to be born, for example. Mm. I mean, how do you work that one out? And so just various different prophecies. And they found out that the probability of him fulfilling just eight was 32 zeros to one. To the power of, okay, 32. 32 zeros to one, the probability of just filling eight of those. And we know there's 330 at least, maybe even more. That's right, and he Mm. filled all of them. 
to the T. And so, again, we see in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 21, with this prophecy about the Messiah magnifying the law. It says, The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will exalt the law and make it honorable. So here is a prophecy about Jesus who will exalt the law and make it honorable. Honorable, yes. God doesn't change. No, he's not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yeah. so is Jesus, as we read in, in the book of Hebrews. That's right. So Jesus lived the law of God out in his life. Hmm. He clearly stated his purpose was to fill the righteous requirement or requirements of the law, not to destroy or do away with it. And we can read that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to keep it hmm. and fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Yeah, that's incredible. As a matter of fact, I'll probably read verse 17, 18, and 19 because it's so pertinent. It says, verse 17, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So that's what Jesus is saying. And then he says, Most assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And then verse 19, Jesus says, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's a pretty clear-cut passage, isn't it? Very clear. Clear-cut passage that he didn't come to. He came to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, not to destroy or do away with it. Mm. Many people are saying that the law has been done away with. I mean, the law is the transcript of God's character. How can you do away with God's character? Well, they're actually just condemning themselves by doing that because Jesus is very clear. If you break the commandments and you teach men to do it, you are called least in the kingdom of heaven. However, then he contrasts that with those who teach and do them, they shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I believe that most people are doing it out of ignorance or out of just misinformation. Mm. When we read the Bible, we read the Bible, the Bible makes it clear. And I must admit, when it was revealed to me, it was like, wow, it was like an aha moment. Mm. Yes. Jesus came to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. He hasn't done away with the law. No. He came to fulfill it on, on our behalf. That's right. And then so when he gives us his righteousness, he's fulfilled the righteousness and he imparts that righteousness to us. Mm. And I think it's in uh, I, uh, Acts chapter 17 where it actually says that, you know, moments of ignorance God winks at. Yeah. And uh, there's some things we don't know. I mean, even in our lives, Colin, we have to say we don't know everything about ourselves. There's hidden chapters. And these are not, uh, although they might be a violation of God's commandment that we don't understand, we're not living in open rebellion because we don't understand those things yet. But God doesn't hold us accountable because our heart is wanting to serve him and please him and love him. Um, So there are people there who may not know about many aspects of the commandments. Uh, or the validity or the perpetuity of God's law. That's right. And therefore, in their ignorance, they're serving God not out of rebellion, simply following the light as they understand it at like the time. Like you said, we're probably ignorant about many things that we've got sure. to learn. You yeah. know what I mean? And I just to bring you back to that story, when we were with these Christian brothers mm. in Christ who were you know, from different denominations who were, you know, believed the commandments were done away with. Yeah. But when we looked at the Bible... And there's a six. These were six pastors. When we looked at the Bible, and we unpacked that 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 passage in uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter three verse three, and Hebrews chapter eight verse ten. Mm. When the God revealed that in His Word to them, and they realized that we're to uphold God's law, 
Okay, just like Paul said in Romans chapter three, yes. verse twenty, he says, "We, you know, do we then make void the law of God? No, we uphold the law." Mm. When they realized that, it was like an aha moment for them as well. Right, and all of them made a commitment to ask God to write His laws on their mind and hearts and give them desire to obey His Ten Commandments, including mm. the seventh day Sabbath as well, because the Sabbath, the fourth, is the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, and yes. so here was six um, pastors who were. Uh, you know, worshipping on Sunday, all decided to follow God's law. Mm. They were convicted by the Holy Spirit through God's word. And so, and they went back and told the churches, and some of those churches decided, yes, we're going to keep and uphold God's law. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, so this, this is the thing, you know, we, we don't follow tradition because tradition or creeds will stop you from receiving new life because everything is then measured by the creed. We've, we measure everything by the word of God. And the wonderful thing that God offers us, you know, as good as your relationship has ever been at its best with the Lord Jesus Christ, God offers you more, and how you grow that relationship is discovering more precious new truths that you didn't know previously in the Word. Often I'm reading things, and then just a new revelation pops into my mind or a new uh, area of commitment I need to make to the Lord to take a relationship to the next level. And I absolutely love that. That's what you call to grow in grace and in favor with God and, and with men. Yeah, we're, to, we're growing in Christ mm. day by day, just like Second Corinthians 3.18 says, whereby beholding Jesus and his word, it says that we are what transformed Change. from glory to, to glory. glory by the Spirit of the Lord, the of by the, the Holy Lord, Spirit. Yes. So it changes us into the image of God mm. from glory to glory. It's a process of, of, of finding out. Mm. And we also see on the Sermon of the Mount that Jesus magnified many aspects of God's law. Yes. He clarified the requirements of the commandments by revealing their deeper applications. Mm. For example, he equated lustful thoughts with the commandment not to commit adultery. Yeah. And revengeful anger with the commandment not to kill. So he went deeper with the Ten Commandments, expanded the deepness of them of, you know, breaking God's law. That it goes deeper than just not thou shalt not commit adultery. He says, even if you look at a woman lust, mm. you commit adultery in your heart. That's and right. So, so outwardly you may not be doing anything that anybody could say would be committing adultery, but inwardly, in your mind, you could be thinking those thoughts which is still transgression of the law. You could transgress the law of God in thought, not only in act. That's why the Bible says we need a new heart. Yes, amen. And new motives, we new desires. A, we need a new heart. Mm. And so God gives us a new heart and then writes his law on our new heart. I mean, he gives I think, us a desire to obey him. Yeah, I thank God for that because, I mean, without that, I would be enslaved to my sin, my sinful passions and yes. desires. And I just thank God that he's come to set me free, just like he's come to set everybody else free as yeah. well. Whatever their desires or passions would be or things that have a hold over them where they are enslaved by it. Now, it could be any kind of addictions. Yeah. Uh, we all have our own different struggles, but really all of them come down to the fact we transgress God's law either in word or deed or feelings. From our heart. From the heart. It stems from the heart. That's from right. the heart. So... So also in Paul's letters, we also find many instructions concerning the attitudes and behaviors the Lord wants us to have exhibit in our life. We read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 to 32, that Paul gives very implicit instruction concerning behavior. Now, why is so much space given in the Bible informing us of behavior? Hmm. God wants us to follow. The reason is that we need to know the attitudes and behaviors he wants us to have so we can be aware of the situations when we are tempted to behave wrongly. So he's yeah. pointing them out. Mm. He points, this is what sin is. He says, sin is a transgression of God's law. He points it out so that when we are aware of it, okay, when we are aware of it, 
we can then ask God to have the victory. Amen. If we did not know God's will in these areas, we would not choose to let Christ manifest that aspect of his character in us. Mm. You know, we wouldn't say, Lord, give me your purity or give me your patience or give me whatever aspect that you're dealing with and circumstance you're dealing with. For example, if a believer does not know it's wrong to hold on to anger, if he doesn't know it's wrong to hold yeah. on to anger and say something critical when someone wrongs him, he would not turn his thoughts away from that anger and the critical spirit he begins to feel. Hmm. So what you're saying there, Colin, is that the law is there to point out what sin is, therefore showing us that we cannot overcome sin in and of ourselves. We need a savior. Yeah, the law points out sin hmm. and then leads us to Jesus for the victory over sin. So if the law is taken out of the way, what does that do to the gospel? Well, there's no law, there's no grace. And there's no sin. So if there's no sin, there's no need of a savior. Yeah, there's no savior, there's no mm. church, and there's no church. We might as well just pack up and go home. <laughs> That's right. You know, Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 says, Therefore the law was our schoolmaster or our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So it's very clear that the law has got to do a work in regards to the gospel. So if we preach the gospel, the law's got to go hand in hand. Why would you look for a savior if you are not a sinner? We need to be saved from our sins. Yes, Jesus says it in Matthew, doesn't it? Jesus yeah. came to save us from, from our sins, sins, not save us in our sins. That's right. So, so here we have, yeah, you're right, Edian. The whole point of the law is to show us what his standard is. Standard of righteousness and love. And then we come up and we compare ourselves to it, and, we, and it points out sin in our lives. Mm. And then that leads us to the remedy of sin, which is Jesus Christ, Amen. our Lord and Savior. So it's good news. It is good news. And really, if the law is rightly understood, these are actually the principles of self-sacrificing love. They're the principles of love. The first four commandments, love to God. The last six commandments, love to our fellow man. And number five, of course, they're love to our parents, honoring our father Mm. and our mother. If we don't do those things, the law is the one that shows us we're not doing those things. It shows us that uh, that we're egocentric, that we are selfish by nature. We didn't know the law. We wouldn't know what was right or wrong. That's right. Exactly. Mm. So we can see that it's vital that the Christian becomes knowledgeable of God's will yes. and his law, as far as it revealed in the Bible, because without this knowledge, he will not be able to follow or he won't be able to allow Jesus to manifest himself fully in our lives. Mm. And we'll fall short of revealing Christ and his attitude and behaviors. And we can see in the God's word that Christ lives out love. When Jesus lives in us, he will seek to live out his life in and through us. Mm. When Je- I'll say that again. When Jesus lives in us, he will seek to live out his life in and through us. This also means that he will seek out to live out the Ten Commandments in our life just as he did when he walked on this earth in Psalms 40 verse 8. It says that. So if Jesus kept the Father's commandments, or Jesus wants to live in us, then Jesus will seek to keep the commandments of God through us, the Ten Commandments. Amen. In Psalm 40, verse 8, it says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. And that's clearly a messianic psalm. Yes. So the law was in Jesus' heart. And if Jesus is living in us, guess what? Jesus will seek to keep the God's commandments, the Ten Commandments, in and through us. That's right. It will be a natural outflow of that connection with Christ. Because he kept it. Hmm. So if he lives in us, he'll seek to keep it Hmm. in and through us. So also the Ten Commandments are inseparably connected to love. What do the first four? The first four reveal to us how we love God. That's right. And the last six tell us how we are to love a fellow man. Mm. Hence, Jesus abiding in us, the Ten Commandments, and intimately knowing Jesus are all closely related. You cannot have one without the others. And John wrote of this close connection in his first letter in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to 6. 
Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So how did Jesus walk? Well, he was in obedience to the Father, submitted to the Father's will, never sought his own will. He said, I do not come to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And he kept his word. Kept his word. Amen. And if Jesus lives in us, it says we'll also walk the same way as he walked. Mm. And so John here in his letter clearly links intimately knowing Jesus, the Ten Commandments, love, and abiding in him together. Mm. He's saying if we are abiding in Christ, we'll be walking or living just as he did. Oh. Why? Because Jesus was living out his life in us. Mm. And this is the secret of it all. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And if Christ is in us, Christ will seek to keep his commandments, mm. and it his says Father's in, commandments. It says there in verse 5 as well, but this we will know that we are in him as well. That's right. Mm. And so Paul tells us also in his letter to Ephesians the purpose of our calling in Christ. We are saved through grace, through faith, and we're called through that faith and that grace mm. to obey God and do good works. Read that. Let's read Ephesians 2, 2 verse 10. Okay. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Dear listener, we have come to the first, the end of the first part of this program, so don't go away. We'll just be back right after these short messages. Stay tuned. Has the world gone crazy? International diplomats are frantically negotiating to try and stop ISIS, immigration and suicide bombers. But it often seems so futile. What are we missing? I'm Julian Archer, an author and international speaker, and I monitor world news trends. Things are getting crazy. My latest booklet, The History of Tomorrow, reveals the last 2,600 years through the eyes of kings, prophets, popes and presidents. It unveils a pattern in the timeline of history and it exposes an event that will soon permanently alter the face of our planet. It takes less than an hour to read, but it could change the rest of your life. To receive your free electronic copy, email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. To order a print copy, phone 3ABN on 02 Welcome back to You Shall Receive Power, where we're looking at the book 50 Days, Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Rain and Christ's Return by Pastor Dennis Smith. Now, we just before the break, we were talking about how the commandments of God and how our relationship with Jesus are intimately connected. Because John clearly, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to 6, that we just read before the break, John clearly links intimately knowing Jesus and the Ten Commandments, love and abiding in Him. He says that if we are abiding in Christ, we will be walking or living as he lived. Why? Because Jesus will be living out his life in us. Now, I think that is good news, Colin, that by faith we can experience salvation to that extent that even in our life now, so not only in the life to come, but in the life now, we can experience the victory and the joy of Jesus Christ in us, our hope of glory. And I hope we we get this. We're not trying to keep the commandments and be, you know, for salvation by obedience to God's law mm. by our own efforts. The whole good news of the gospel 
It's actually Christ living in us who seeks to keep the God's commandments in and through us. Amen. It's him doing it in and through us. Mm. That takes a weight off the world. Absolutely. Off the shoulder, doesn't it? Mm. The thing is, it includes the cross. We have to take up our cross daily and that denial of self or death to self, when mm. self is out of the way, self is impotent. Self cannot claim any merit. Self cannot work. But Christ living in us can do the works. And that is only really the only righteousness can ever answer the requirements of the law, which is that perfect obedience we see in Jesus. And we see that even uh, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 12. Mm. It is a message to go to the world, the three angels' messages. And it says the people who are giving this message, this last message to go to the world, that's last warning message to the world, are called to worship God, the true creator of the heavens and earth. Amen. But it says the people who are giving this message says they have what? They keep the commandments of God and they have the faith of yeah. Jesus. They keep the commandments of God and have mm. the faith of Jesus. Yeah, so faith and commandment keeping are uh, linked, and it's it's linked by a bond that cannot be broken. Yeah, so I have the faith in Jesus who will seek out to keep the commandments in and through me. Mm. Look, the, these messages are becoming more and more important as we see things happening around the world, as we see things happening oh. in society. Breakdown of society, breakdown of the family unit, which is the fabric. Really, it's that's the foundation of what society is built on. Mm. You have poor homes with um, with poor love and support for children and poor discipline. Unfortunately, you have every vice and thing going on. And as this society then grows up, and the next generation follows the next, there's a constant deterioration. Mm. But in the last few years, we've seen that more than ever before. And of course, they're not only that. The world events that we see around us at the moment as well. No? Oh, have you seen the, the natural disasters seem to be coming one after another? I mean, you more saw, frequently and more greater intensity. I mean, look what you just saw in America. Mm. You just saw hurricane after hurricane after hurricane destroyed a whole city, and then the worst hurricane, you know, off the Atlantic that came off and well, came through all the Caribbean, completely yeah. Puerto Rico wiped out the map. Now, was Place. that Irma? I don't know. So many of them come. I forgot the names now. After, one after another. Yeah. another. And then you had the worst fires in California mm. that they've ever had. And you just see these frequent natural disasters coming up. And then not only just in the USA, but you're seeing it also in many other places around the world. That's right. The worst fires, the worst floods, the worst droughts. And they just keep on increasing with frequency and intensity. Mm. And Jesus says when you see all these signs, these are some of the signs Know that it's close that Jesus is going to return soon. Mm. And before he returns, he's going to prepare a people for his second coming of Jesus. That's what the three angels' messages are about, is to prepare a people for the second coming of Jesus. Amen. And getting back to it, if we resist Jesus seeking to live out his Ten Commandments in our life, mm. we are not really abiding in him. Yeah. And failing to fulfill the purpose of our calling, which is to do good works. These works are works of faith which happen by allowing Jesus to manifest them in and through us. When we experience the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ, we're becoming free from the law of sin and death. Amen. In Romans chapter 8, verse 2, we can then be free of it. Mm. Romans 8, verse 2. It says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Wow, how good news is that? Wonderful news. And so when we walk not after the flesh... But after the Spirit, the righteousness of the law will be fulfilled in us. Mm. But who? Because who is righteous? There's only one that's been righteous as far as humanity is concerned, and that's Jesus Christ. And who kept the law perfectly? Jesus did. So the righteousness of the law was Jesus mm. will be fulfilled in us, which is Christ in 
us the hope of glory. We can read that in Romans chapter 8, verse 4. Okay, so I'll read verse 3 and verse 4 as well because we Mm. just read verse 2. It says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. So nothing wrong with the law, but the weakness of our flesh is obviously an issue. We cannot keep it. Remember what was the fault with with Israel? He said finding fault with them. It was with us, the flesh, not Mm. with the law itself or the covenant. Yes. So what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his son, his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So what flesh did sin need condemning in? Well, it was fallen flesh, mm. not the sinless flesh that Adam had before his sin. There was this, the flesh that Adam had after he'd sinned. He condemned them sin in that flesh. For what purpose? Well, verse 4 answers it, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Yeah, so Christ <laughs> fulfilled the law, and then when he dwells in, lives in us, the righteousness mm. of the laws is what? Fulfilled in us That's right So God did that by sending his own son In the likeness of sinful flesh He condemned sin in the flesh That the righteous requirements of the law May be fulfilled in us How? Who walk not according to the flesh But according to the spirit That's right When God looks at us He looks at Jesus Mm, Amen And so So what that means is Is that obedience to God's law Will be revealed throughout our life In thought, word and deed Yeah We will see that in our lives But it's not us like Paul said, it's not I, mm. but it's Christ that lives in me. Yeah, That's what Paul's saying. It's not me doing this. It won't be you, Eddie, doing this. It won't mm. be me doing it. It's Christ in us yeah. doing this works. And I mean, pre- before that, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. So if Etienne is dead, if Colin is dead, and there's any merit, it can't be ours because we're dead. We, we died in Christ, and Christ lives in us. So the only merits... The only one that can actually get the accolades is our Lord and Savior, Jesus That's Christ. That's right. And, and obedience to God's law will be revealed throughout the life in thought, word, and deed. And mm. our love for God and our fellow man will grow stronger and stronger because, remember, love is the fulfilling of the law. Right. In Romans 13.10. Yes. So love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And I love this beautiful quote from the book Desire of Ages, page 641 by Ellen White. Uh, just a beautiful book uh, on the life of Jesus Christ. If you haven't read this book, I really encourage it's you to a get great book. The Desire mm-hmm. of Age. It's a wonderful, beautiful book. And this is what she says. Love to man is the earthward manifestation of the love of God. Well, that just summarizes everything we've said so far, Colin. Yes. <laughs> love to man is the earthward manifestation of the love to God. It was to implant this love to make us children of one family, that the King of glory became one with us. So that was the purpose of him becoming one with us, to, to implant his love and to make us children of one family. And when his parting words are fulfilled, love one another as I have loved you, as we read in John chapter 15, verse 12, when we love the world as he loved it, then for us his mission is accomplished We are fitted for heaven, for we have heaven in our hearts. What an incredible promise. Yeah, this is really that harvest principle that the Bible talks about, you know, that God continuously changes us from into his image, from glory to glory, as by the Spirit of the Lord. And when we have the fullness of his love in our hearts, love to God, and as it's manifested to our fellow man, we love the world as he loved it, then his mission is accomplished and we are fitted for heaven. 
in talking about the harvest, we're talking about agriculture, aren't we? We are, yes. We're talking about, and, and the Bible uses agriculture in many ways to explain spiritual principles mm. because God explains things in in ways that we can understand. That's right. It's like when we teach a child, we're going to teach them in symbols and ways that they can understand. Mm. And Jesus spoke in parables. Yes. Or, and, you know, one of the illustrations he used, according to the harvest principle, is that he talked about the early rain and the latter rain. Yes. And he equated the early rain of being the Holy Spirit, which was a, which was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, yes. And he talks about that you would plant a seed, all right? And the seed in the Bible represents the Word of God. Mm. And so when the Word of God, when who is the Word of God? Well, Jesus is the Word of yeah, God. Yeah, when the Word of God and Jesus is planted in good soil, mm. and the good soil in the Bible represents our heart, you know, when it's planted on a stony ground, what happens? That you know, the birds come and peck it away. And you, That's you, right. Or when it's put in, it gets caught up in thorns. That you know, gets caught up in the world mm. and all the pleasures in the world. Okay, it can't grow, but it has to be planted in good soil, which is in our hearts. Amen. So when it takes root deep in our hearts, the seed, the early rain, right, would come and cause the seed to germinate or to be born again. Right, yes, okay. love it, yes. And then does it take time for a seed to grow into a plant? It does take time, so The yes. seed germinates and the plant grows. So the early rain, which represents the Holy Spirit that's been available since Pentecost, mm. is is transforming that plant to grow mm. into maturity. And so the idea is as as you grow more and more into Jesus, okay? Now, does it take time for a plant to grow and produce fruit? Absolutely. Of course it does. You can't so, plant it today and speak fruit tomorrow. That's right. So it takes time to grow. And, you know, Jesus is saying in that uh, through Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, as we behold Jesus, mm. you know, as the word's implanted in our heart, we are transformed into his image from glory to glory, from character to character. Mm. We grow into the likeness of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And so as we grow into the likeness of Jesus daily through the Holy Spirit, as Christ abides in us and we abide in him, we grow more into the likeness of Jesus. And then we look at John chapter 1, verse 3, 2, where it says, those who are ready to meet Jesus, right, when he comes, will be just like Jesus. And the reason they're just mm. like Jesus, because it is Jesus living out his life. Yeah, of course. In, and through them 100%. Mm. Now, what happens back to the agriculture is when the plant just before the harvest, and you read in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 12, Straight after the three angels' messages is given, it says the harvest comes. Mm. Okay? That's dead right. The harvest comes. Now, just before the harvest in ancient Israel, there would be what's called the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. Now, the latter rain of the Holy Spirit brings the plant to maturity. Amen. So that would be bringing the plant to Christ's likeness. Mm. And that's what John's talking about in 1 John 3, 2. Those who read him in Jesus will be just like Jesus. And they couldn't harvest the fruit until the latter rain had been poured out and the and the plant had been matured. Well, if you take the plant too early, what happens? Well, there's no fruit. It's green. You can't use it. No good. Yeah. So you've got to wait till it's ripe. That's right. And that's what it talks about in Revelation 14. It's ripe. Well, let me just read a few verses, only four verses, from mm. a parable of Jesus found in Mark chapter 4, and it's from verse 26. And he, he said, that's Jesus, the kingdom of God is as a, if a man should scatter seed in the ground. And should sleep by night and rise by day And the seed should sprout and grow He himself does not know how For the earth yields crops by itself First the blade 
then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately it puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. See, there's another principle Jesus using a parable to say the harvest you know, is ready. Mm. Puts the sickle in, it's ready. Now the latter rain seals the deal. Amen. It's the latter rain of the Holy Spirit, which is... So really when you think about it, you need to grow in the early rain. This is Pentecost. Be transformed in the image of Jesus. The latter rain comes and seals the deal or prepares for the harvest, which is mm. the second coming of Jesus. Because who does Jesus send out in Revelation 14 to, in the harvest? Sends out his angels. Angels, yes. All right? And so uh, we need to grow in the early rain to receive the latter rain and be prepared mm. for the second coming of Jesus. So when we're talking about maturity, we can link it back to what we read there in the Zara of Ages, page 641. You know, It's to love one another, and that's Jesus' uh, desire for us. And it says there, when we love the world as he loved it, then for us his mission is accomplished and we are fitted for heaven for we have heaven in our hearts. So that fitting for heaven is the maturity we're talking about. And the maturity is simply referring to not legalism but love. It is the love of God, which is one of the first fruit mentioned of the Spirit. Love in the heart. love for God so loved the world, he gave what? Gave his only begotten Son. So so love sacrifices, Mm. gave himself. And when we have Jesus in our heart, we will sacrifice ourselves for for the world mm. to bring souls into the kingdom. That's a high standard. But yeah. we know But by the grace of God and by full surrender to him, God can live out that perfect love through in and through us. And we can see in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible tells us that God is love. Yeah, that's right. First John chapter 4, verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Yeah, so who who does not love does not know God. Mm. So here we learn that love is central to everything in the Christian life. Why? Because if God is truly abiding in, the, abiding in Christian love, we'll be present. If Jesus is living in us, Jesus says in John 14, 12, we'll do the same works as Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's what he said in John 14, 12. And he says, how? Because I'll come and dwell in you. The Father and I will dwell in you through the comforter. Mm. And so love will permeate every aspect of our lives, our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. And this only happens as the believer is daily filled with the Holy Spirit. We can read that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and Romans 5, verse 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and Romans 5, verse 5. Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, Colin, I remember you previously expounding on this uh, on this verse, that be filled with the Spirit in the original language. It's an active verb and a continuous active verb from what you were telling us, which then means to be continuously filled with the Spirit of God. That's right. So we've got to keep on being filled with the Spirit just in the morning, during mm. the day, in the evening, as the Spirit, um, you know, keep praying for it. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, And hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Mm. So God pours out his love on our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Because what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, first one is love. That's right. When the Holy Spirit is present, the fruit of the Spirit will be present. And we can read what those fruits are in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9. 
we can see what the fruit of spirit is. Okay, Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the spirit is love. So that's the first agape love that's mentioned there. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Yeah. So they're the fruit of the spirit that comes from love, all mm. those things. And again, in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 9, Paul says that the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Beautiful. So here we have that one of the fruit of the Spirit is righteousness Mm. because Christ was righteousness. And Christ imparts his righteousness to us. Mm. And so his righteousness will be seen in us because of the fruit of the Spirit. And so knowing this truth becomes clear how futile it is to try to be lovingly obey God by our own efforts. We can't do it. It's only as Jesus is literally living in us and manifesting his love in and through us will we truly loving obedience take place in our life. So obeying the Ten Commandments is central to God's love being manifested in and through us. Hmm. You see, when Jesus walked this earth, he obeyed God's Ten Commandments perfectly. Yes. When he lives in the Christian, he will seek to manifest obedience to God's commandments in the believer's life. That's why Jesus said in John fifteen ten, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Mm. So the Ten Commandments are actually the outworking of love in the human's life on planet Earth. Remember, the first four commandments reveal how we are to show our love to God. Yes. And the last six tell us how we are to manifest love to others. Mm. That is why when Jesus was asked, What is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied with these words, and he is quoting the Old Testament, by the way. Yeah. This is not a new thing that Jesus was quoting the Old Testament when he says what? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 40. Can you read that for us? Yeah, sure. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So it's the heart, the soul, and the mind that we are to put into this. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So here is Jesus summarizing the Ten Commandments and saying the purpose and focus is love. Mm. You're doing it out of love. So God's law could actually be expressed in one word, couldn't it? Love. Yes. Love. Therefore, since God is love, remember we looked in the Bible that God is love. Yeah, we do. The Ten Commandments are then a transcript of his character. Mm. And when obedience to the Ten Commandments is manifested in and through the Christian's life, he's manifesting the very character of God, which is the character of Jesus Christ. And I just love what Ellen White says in Christ's Object Lessons, page 69. She says, Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. Hmm. So he's waiting. He's waiting for the manifestation of himself in his church. When the character of Jesus shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he'll come to claim them as his own. It's not us trying to reproduce his character. Yes. It's his character being reproduced in and through us. And how does that happen? 
It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. Look, that's a beautiful one. That Christ Object Lesson 69 to connect with what you said in Desire of Ages, page 641, that we just read before. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, you know, Christ Object Lesson unpacks all the lessons that Christ gave through his parables. Yes. And the parable referred to here is the one we just read before, the four verses they found in Mark chapter mm-hmm. 4, verse 26 to 29, which was that harvest principle. That when the harvest is ripe, immediately the sickle was put into it. That's right. And so what she's saying, Ellen White here is saying, actually that when Jesus comes, he will be manifesting in and through his church perfect obedience to God's commandments Mm. since they define the character of Jesus or Christ. Mm. Just like, you know, Revelations 14 says, here are they that keep the what? The commandments of God. And have the faith of Jesus. How do we have it? Through the faith of Jesus. Does this mean that they'll have learned how to work hard at keeping God's commandments? No. That doesn't work, does it? No. They'll have learned how to allow Jesus Christ to allow his perfect commandment keeping in and through them. This is also why John described God's last remnant people in Revelations 12 verse 17 as keeping the commandments of God. Mm. And it says there in that text, because it talks about the dragon, it says the dragon was enraged with the woman, the woman representing the church. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring or the remnant of his seed who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So why is the devil angry with the church? Well, he's angry. And it says a remnant. So what's a remnant first? Okay, well, that's what's left over. Now, if you have a bolt of cloth and you, you you use that to to make... Which is the original, is it? Yeah, the original. And then what happens is when you get to the end, what, what remains, the last bit of material that remains, they call that the remnant of the, so of the bolt of cloth. how would you explain that in spiritual terms to, to the church? You have the early church. Yes. All right. And then what happens is it says in the Bible that the early church would apostatize. That's right. Paul the falling talks, away would come, Second Paul, Thessalonians chapter 2. Yeah, yeah, Paul talks about this, but then he talks about a restoration at the end, mm. a remnant. And it gives the identifying marks of this remnant uh, people or church, or a woman, and what is the what is the characteristics? They keep what? They keep the commandments of God, and they have the testimony of Jesus. Now, what is the testimony of Jesus? Well, you go to Revelation chapter nineteen, verse ten, yeah. and what is the testimony of Jesus? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So here we have a people right at the end, a remnant people who will be keeping the commandments of God. Mm. And having the spirit of prophecy. In other words, the gifts of the spirit will be in the church. Yeah, especially the gift and of the prophecy, prophecy in particular. Will be yes. in there. The spirit of prophecy will be mm. in that church. Uh, interestingly, also this church will be giving the three angels messages to the world. That's right. Because they keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Mm. Now, it's interesting that the word remnant there doesn't refer to the beginning of the, the, the cloth, the bolt of cloth. It re- refers to the last part of the cloth, what the remains. So when it says the remnant of his seed, it is the last church on earth just before Jesus comes. The last day church. The last day church. That's so there's right. some identifying marks. Mm. Satan is, or the dragon's making war on a church that keeps the commandments of God has the spirit of prophecy, and you read in Revelation 14, they give the three angels' messages to the world, because, and the people who are giving the three angels' messages will keep the commandments of God That's right. and have the faith of Jesus. They have Christ mm. living in them that, uh, that seeks out to keep the commandments of God, and they're giving a warning message to the world and a call back to worship God, the true God. Absolutely. I mean, this last church, the last remaining church of God on earth, the message they'll be bringing is... With a loud voice that goes to the whole world, every nation, tongue, tribe, and people, saying, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And then a call to worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. Now, uh, we've only got a few minutes uh, left, Colin, but hopefully in the next 
program, we can unpack what that means to worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water a little bit further as well. Yes, it's called back to true worship, Mm. true true worship. And basically we can see that at the end, right, those who are ready met to Jesus when he comes will love just as he loves. Mm. They will love the Lord with all their heart and their neighbors themselves. They How? They have allowed Jesus to manifest his love in and through them to the world. Amen. And God's Ten Commandments are foundational to revealing that love in their lives. Mm. So their relationship with Jesus will be so close and intimate, they would rather die than resist him living out his life and in them. The close, meaningful relation they have with their Lord means everything to them. They would never, never do anything to damage that relationship. This is why even under the penalty of death, because we read in Revelation 13 that it says this dragon power or this beast power mm. in Revelation 13 uh, combined with a beast coming out of the earth and one coming out of the water yes. will combine to give a penalty death. The death penalty for those yeah, who do not want to receive the mark of the beast. Yeah, which, in, which involves disobeying God's commandments. Mm. They will remain faithful to God. And the bond of love between them and the Lord is unbreakable. Amen. Well, thank you, Colin. We'll just stop there, take a break, so we can share our contact details with our listener out there. And we'll be right back after this short message. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on You Shall Receive Power. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249 Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back to You Shall Receive Power. Just before the break, we were talking about the awesome joy we can experience by having Christ live in us. And not only that, Christ manifesting his righteousness in our lives because self has been taken out of the way. Now, Colin, um, is there something that can actually destroy our peace if we walk with the Lord? Can we get distracted? Well, we can. Uh, when, When Jesus abides in the Christian God's love is at the heart of God's law is deeply embedded there. Mm. And when God's love and law are in the heart, self, pride, jealousy, etc. are all subdued and nothing shall offend. Mm. No word or action or other will be taken personally. And we can see in Psalms 119 verse 165, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Wow, that's a great psalm to answer that question. Yeah, great peace Mm. have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And what is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Well, peace, peace is number three, is love, joy, yeah. then peace. Yeah, yes. when we love thy law and we have God's law written on our hearts and Christ dwelling and living in us, we have the peace that Christ promised us. Mm. And I just love what Ellen White says in the Mount of Blessings, page 16. She says, It is the love of self that destroys our peace. Why self is alive all alive, we stand ready continually to guard it from mortification and insult. But when we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God, Mm. we shall not take neglects or slights to heart. We shall be deaf to reproach and blind to scorn and insult. And there's the fulfilling of Psalms 119 verses 165. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. 
Dear listener, we pray that you were blessed by today's study And we pray that the love, the joy and the peace of God Will be with you and in your hearts Until our next program May God bless you Amen been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.